Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman-Perks and welcome back to my favorite time of the week. And I'm very lucky to have Dr. Catherine Baird with me, who is a senior vice president in Emirates. And she is in charge of all the air crew training, 22,000 people, 140 different nationalities. And it's a fascinating job. Not only that, but she's um, big into leadership and also big into leaving a legacy and charity and all that you give back and the difference you make to society. So I'm really chuffed to have you here. And Alex recommended that you came and I'm delighted that you are. Thank you. So, Thank you. So Catherine, tell us a bit about the role you're doing at the moment. So it sounds really interesting. Oh, well, as you've mentioned, Yes, 140 nationalities, 22,000 yep. cabin crews. So uh, uh, in a nutshell, I look after everything from new joining crew from all over the world arriving into Dubai because all of our crew are based in Dubai. So leaving home, coming, joining us, inducting them obviously into uh, the company but also into Dubai. Uh, and then all of the training that is requisite for the job of being cabin crew. So everything from the safety and emergency procedures side of things all the way through to uh, how they look in their uniform mm. uh, and service training, of course, customer service. Uh, and uh, coming under my umbrella is the medical training and the security training, but I work closely with my colleagues in group security and group medical who provide that service. But in terms of the overarching responsibility for how the crew uh, are trained, that, that seems like my team. Great. So, yeah, very exciting. Because training and leadership and development has been in your blood. I mean, you began in teaching. And, I did. And you're, you're, when we were talking about, I was asking you who was inspiring to you, you were saying actually it was your parents. Can you yes. say a bit more about why you chose your parents as inspiration? Um, I guess, you know, uh, I'm blessed. I, I, I come from a family where, um, you know, my parents have always been incredibly encouraging, very, um, you know, aspirational for us, of course, mm -hmm. of children, but never really put uh, their own requirement on you. It was about being happy and, and doing what you love doing. Um, I think as we talked about, you know, I, uh, I come from a family of uh, uh, four children under five. So uh, my mother is a huge inspiration uh, and my father. And uh, basically, I think I've been busy since I was about 18 months old, <laughs> certainly been organising, managing and uh, supporting. So yeah. uh, I think from that perspective, my parents and, and huge integrity, moral compass, um, you know, really just strong, good people. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I asked you also who else you found inspiring, you have a broad cross-section up, down, sideways. And to say a bit more about that, the people who've influenced yeah, you. Yeah, it's interesting when you when uh, you, you ask me that question. You know, I, I, there isn't kind of any one person. There's a number of people. So, you know, throughout my 40 years, I've been really inspired by, you know, a couple of CEOs who, um, to date, um, I, I still... Uh, in contact with and, and bosses who I'm co in contact with who uh, continue to mentor me or to be my sounding board, but also peers that I've met along the way. And, you know, more 
more so people who've either been on my team or subordinates or whatever. I've, I've learned so much from uh, young people. And I, I guess I, I come from a, uh, a view that um, I've always held the thought that, you know, the smartest thing you could ever do as a leader is to hire people who are much smarter than you yes. are. Uh, and then you just give them the opportunity to grow and flourish and all of a sudden, my gosh, you look fabulous. It's it, great. It's, it's a very interesting point you make, Catherine, because I've come across some leaders. In fact, in the army, I had uh, a colonel who I worked for and he crushed us as the level below and, and d diminished us and made us less. So he thought that made him look better. And the people below our level, so they weren't the direct chancellor, he, they all loved him. They called him the king. But actually, he went out of his way to stop any kind of challenge and, and stop us rising mm. and doing well, which was really disappointing. But yet I've met other leaders, much more inspiring, who, who they go, look, my, my job is to just hire great people. Get out of the way and let them soar like eagles. Oh, Don't absolutely. keep them like turkeys in a barn yeah. under a spotlight yeah. and being you know, diminished and yeah. lessened. I look, absolutely. And one of, um, I don't know if you've seen it, it's very old now. There's a fabulous uh, TED Talk by Sir Ken Robinson. Oh, I love Sir Ken. Oh, he's All one his of my favourites. The top three. Loving, I, I watch them again and again. Well, one of his ones probably about 10 years ago, I think it is now, and it's and it's linked to his book. And, you know, obviously education is his passion and that's yeah, my passion, passion as too. well. Yeah. But he, in this particular talk, he talks about the fact that, you know, as, as leaders, whether you're in an education environment or organisation, it doesn't matter, you know, gone are the days of command and, and control. control. You know, your job is climate control. Yeah. And I love it. And he yeah. gave this really fabulous analogy about the, um, the, gardener, the Death Valley or something. Yeah, and Valley. how the fact yeah. that it, nothing is actually dead under the right conditions, yeah. even everything death, flourishes. Everything flourishes. And, and for agree. me, that's that really resonates oh, with so me. So true. I, and I, I use his words even now, like about, it's not about command and control, it's about climate or environmental control and, and we're not puppet masters or chess masters we we're gardeners mm, we're, we're creating this this right thing. i use that and there's a great saying it's on my wall and and all of my uh my team know it and it's my when i bring our crew in who are being promoted into supervisory and the the leader on board position which we call a purser and they all know it and i and it's a I can't, I'll get it wrong, but it's a saying that's simply like, you know, if you're if the flower isn't blooming, you don't fix the flower, you fix the environment. Oh, so great, so um, great. Yeah. Um, final two thoughts: um, learning from mistakes. You, mm -hmm. you shared a story about that you learned from mistakes, which yeah. I think is so important, which leads us on nicely to the your closing uh, tip, top tip. tip. So, yeah. what's what's the leader from mistake? Uh, in my 30s, you know, uh, gung-ho, you know, I'd done some great stuff and had some great opportunities. I got headhunted for the first time, which is fabulous when you're headhunted the first time. You feel very proud, as you rightly should. Um, but I made a big mistake where getting headhunted, uh, I went in on my white horse, you know, ready to save the world for all the people who clearly, you know, needed my help. Um, and I crashed and burned uh, big time. Um, so I learned a huge lesson then about... Uh, arrogance is mm. the biggest danger to leadership. It is. Um, and then that takes me on to my top tip. two top tips, uh, which are humanity and humility, is that I, I just believe that if you approach everything with humanity, regardless of what you're doing, any conversation you're having, whether you're having to make people redundant, disciplinary, whether you're, you know, um, celebrating, remembering that you know, the person in front of you is, is a human being. So if you have kindness, respect, 
dignity, you're never going to go wrong, mm. uh, and humility. Uh, and if you are humble, people will give you their talent, their, their passion, mm. uh, their love, um, and that's the only thing that's going to get you innovation, creativity yeah. and success. So yeah, yes. it's pretty simple, two, the two H's, humility yes. and uh, humanity. I, I think that's great, and, and particularly with humility and the humanity comes a vulnerability that with, with yeah. leaders can... Yeah can give a bit of themselves and not be perfect. Oh, absolutely. And we're not. No. We never are. No. And, of course, I'm an educator, so learning is lifelong, yeah. well, you know. And as an educator, was it my daughter, who's a teacher like you used to be, fail first attempt in learning? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, indeed. And that's the only way you do learn is, is through failure. And I think Steve Jobs, everybody says that. So many people have talked about that. That yeah. uh, the, I think Einstein even said, you know, the only, the only way to success is, is through, failure. through failure. And, of course, if you're not, if you're not failing, it means you're not trying hard enough you're you're not pushing yourself yourself, going outside boundaries and all those sorts of things that we know is about how we drive success in our world Catherine thank you they said you're going to be inspiring you are inspiring (laughs) thank you lovely having you on the show thank you very much thank you Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman-Perks and welcome back to Inspiring Leadership Extra, where I'm with Dr. Catherine Baird, the Senior Vice President in charge of all cabin crew training uh, with Emirates Airlines. Catherine, welcome back. Thanks, Jonathan. And um, I was really interested in the earlier part, we were just talking about your life with your parents in Melbourne, Australia, a place I love dearly with my brother having worked out there. Um, and, and really how your early life shaped the leader you are today, really. Anything you want to share about early, early life stories um, and what went on? Yeah, I guess, you know, as we were talking about, I guess, from for the, the reason that I, I talk about my family, my parents, is that, you know, they had this love, a great balance, I think, you know. Um, of course, when you're growing up, you don't know that. And, of course, you know, they're always wrong because your parents always are. <laughs> uh, but if they, they created an environment where they had great aspirations for us, but they, they, they you know, weren't um, dogmatic, I guess, is, is the word in terms of, you know, expectations and that mm. kind of stuff. It was more around, you know, you know, wanting you to be the best you possibly can be and, and reach your potential um, uh, and being really supportive. So, you know, how, for me, how did that translate, you know, choices and stuff I had to do along the way, you know, one of the things where um, uh, as growing up all I can ever remember is, you know, I always wanted to travel so it's always been in my DNA uh, I don't know where that comes from but it, mm. but it was. So uh, when I, I had grand plans that when I finished high school I was going to take a gap year and and head off and you know travel the world yeah um and my my parents did kind of talk me into because I got accepted into university and and so um to do uh what did you read you know well it was education oh yeah yeah. um so so I was going to defer and and then my parents were like well you know have a think about it. You maybe it's better to do it and then, you know, then travel afterwards because it's often hard to come back and settle down and, you know, those sorts of things. And in the end, I I ended up staying and actually on reflection, damn good advice, you know. Uh, So I did finish my degree. I I taught for a couple of years and then I took a gap year. I had a sabbatical and travelled around the world. And, of course, that's when I decided that, um, you know, I knew that I would travel again or whatever. Um, And so I think from that perspective, the fact that they were, they guided, they weren't dogmatic, but they were very, and then they were encouraging. And then when I did um, resign, 
uh, from teaching uh, and everyone else was up in arms. In Australia, we have a lovely thing called uh, long service leave, yeah. which I am yet to uh, experience because <laughs> <laughs> I keep moving. Uh, but um, when I when I, I was at nine years and no one could understand why I would leave, you know, you just have to hang out for another year. And where I was, I was not sustainable for me to be able to do that. Um, and my parents were really supportive, you know, awesome. and said, up to you, you know, you do what you need to do to make you happy. Yeah. Um, so I guess from that from that perspective and, and, and I guess as I think you and I talked about, you know, I, I come from a family of four children under five years of age. So as I jokingly say with my mother, you know, you gave me a job at 18 months. I've been busy ever since. So, uh, but, it, but I love that business about you and, and also the fact that you do think about others. And uh, we made a lovely connection over the Inspiring Leadership Trust, the charity for modern day slavery, trafficking and um, girls who are abused around the world. And this is something that you believe in strongly. And we're looking forward to you going to speak at the uh, Inspiring Leadership Academy in, in the future. But you were doing some really great work as a teacher there in a school that was for the deaf. Do you want to just Correct. talk about the difference that was made by the approach that you and the others took? Yeah, um, you know, it was uh, it was a school for um, uh, deaf children, and of course, you know, you can have children who are deaf is their 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 um, main issue, but then obviously you also have children who have multiple issues, um, and and being deaf is one of, of those. And this was a um, uh, what they called a non signing school, so it wasn't the school for the deaf where it was all, all sign language. So there was some, but there were a lot of kids there who um, had lots of other things going on. Uh, and I was uh, uh, hired in as uh, the physical education teacher, which they'd never had before. Mm -hmm. um, they had beautiful grounds. It was set on absolutely beautiful grounds, um, swimming pool and, and all of that. Uh, and so um, working with, with the teachers in the school, uh, we looked at, I had a curriculum that I had mm -hmm. to deliver as part of the education department. Um, but it was about how do I, you know, have these these kids, you know, grow and flourish and, mm. and un understand that, you know, not hearing, although, you know, pain in the neck, <laughs> is actually not going to define I think you said it wasn't not are. a life sentence. And it's not a life sentence, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we had some, so I introduced, I, I got involved with the local um, uh, school community, the, well, I don't know, normal hearing school, whatever you want, mainstream, yeah. mainstream school communities, um, where we had, you know, in, as you do in, in every school system, uh, you know, you have sports days and, mm. you know, all those mm. sorts of things. So we, you know, signed up for the, the different teams and uh, we did really well. We um, got up there into the finals of the, the softball team, which was amazing. Um, I had a couple of the kids who were um, uh, did really well in the in the in the uh, athletics, the education department athletics, and and the one that I really remember the most, this young boy who was at this stage, he was about fifteen, because the school was from uh, five year olds through to about eighteen, so oh, right, it was yeah. the whole gamut. Yeah. Um, and they were a mixture of day day kids and boarders. So we we looked after all of the kids um, who uh, from around Victoria, country yeah. Victoria, yeah. would come and live um, during the week at the school. And so um, this one this one young boy is about fifteen or so. So bless him. Uh, he was uh, profoundly deaf. He'd been uh, uh, 
deaf from a, I think about the age of one or two, something. Right. So he had a, um, I don't know, meningitis or something yep. like that. Um, and of course, at 15, he was big boy, big boy. And of course, at 15, we know what happens to young boys at 15, all the testosterone starts cursing around the body. And of course, you know, when, 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 you, when you are, you know, deaf and unable to, you know, to speak, you know, there's a lot of anger and frustration trying to get your yeah. message across and, and what yeah. you want to do. And bless him, he's, uh, he was uh, a, uh, a challenging child, you know. He would get angry and throw stuff around right. and do all of that. And his parents were beside themselves, etc. So um, I took him onto a squash court. And fabulous because, you know, you can beat the hell out of a yeah, squash yeah, yeah, yeah. ball. Fantastic. Uh, and, in fact, being deaf is probably quite useful because, you know, you, the lad indicator, you don't get distracted by the yeah. sound of the ball, which is usually that nanosecond after the where the ball is. Where the ball is. Yeah. So, actually, he was fabulous. Correct. Um, and he did really, really well. And so all of a sudden, here's this kid who, you know, was frustrated. He couldn't do anything. He felt, you know, worthless. He was angry, angry at the world, angry at being mm. deaf, angry at his parents, angry at teachers, angry at everybody. Mm. Life-changing. 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 And his, yeah. his parents, his, his parents were come just going, oh, my God, you've changed our lives. And I said, I haven't done anything. All I did was give yeah. him an opportunity to yeah. find a a niche, to find a talent somewhere. And I guess as an educator, that's where I come from. Uh, you know, every single one of us have a talent, have something, you know, whatever it is. And yeah. how do I provide an environment for that to be um, able to be explored or nurtured or thrive? Well, that must be something that is a great joy in your role as Senior Vice President in charge of all the training and the development of these very talented cabin crew mm. that you've got from, I think, 140 countries. And they've got some amazing backgrounds and experiences. And, and I, I found it very interesting you saying to me earlier how when people are sitting on an aeroplane and they're being served by the cabin crew, they can be almost, for some people, invisible. And they're not, you know, give me this, give me that, why haven't I got this? And people can be obnoxious and rude to cabin crew, but not actually realize the huge skills, background, experience. Do, they, do you know their story? Because until you know someone else's story, how dare you treat them like dirt? Oh. Or, or, or I mean, how dare you treat anyone like dirt? But, but uh, I, I found that particularly interesting where you're talking about. Do you mm. want to say a bit about some of the qualifications and the cross-section yeah. of people you've oh, got? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, we're, we're honoured, you know, with the people who come, come and join us. They, they come from all around the world, 140 nationalities. Um, they come from amazing backgrounds. You know, we've got you know, doctors, lawyers, PhDs, MBAs, probably got more MBAs in cabin crew than we have anywhere else in the organisation. I don't know that for sure, but yeah. I would guess I've got there's 22,000, so we are the biggest workforce in the yeah. organisation. Um, so, you know, I, I always say to people, you know, next time someone's, you know, serving you a cup of coffee or, or whatever, um, yeah, have a look at them because you never know who what their backstory might be. And, yeah. and you know, and that's the same conversation and what we train the crew as well is, you know, um, be mindful of who, who you're serving too because you don't know the backstory of that customer. Yes. Yeah. Um, and our customer base, one of the great things about Emirates is, you know, we have the biggest global network in the world. Um, we're the biggest international airline in the world. And so we move more people around the planet 
um, than anybody else. Um, And so for our crew, yes, they come from 140 nationalities, but they're working in probably one of the most cosmopolitan environments Mm. in the world when you think about who's on those aeroplanes, et cetera. And so it's the same conversation we have with them is that, you know, be mindful and, and be attentive to the fact that that person sitting in front of you, that customer, has an amazing backstory. And, of course, it's like everything in life. I'm a, I'm a big believer that, you know, what you see and the behaviour that you see is, is what you're seeing in the moment. You can't deal with that behaviour until you understand what the backstory is of, yes. of that behaviour because that's a, that's a symptom, that's an indicator, it's not the cause. And that's so useful for people listening to think about, when they're leading in their own firms and their businesses, or maybe some are still in the in the military or the police or the emergency services around the world, because this is also listened to in about fifty countries. This podcast. Oh, wow. um, that that what can they learn from the training and development that you're doing? Because you know you have a lot of psychology behind mm. how to treat people well, how to um, defuse. Mm-hmm. Toxic situations in the air where you can't go anywhere else. You can't go. So you can just step out. Oh, that's step right. Step outside, yeah. sir. We're, we're at twenty thousand. There isn't a bouncer at the front door. Right. Yeah, no, you, you can like, call like, in. You, you're out. That's right. Ah, no. <laughs> exactly. but um, you have to have really good skills in. I mean, as we look at the the inspiring leadership compass. I mean, firstly, integrity. Do what you say. You're going to do consistency. Clear meaning and purpose about looking after your customers. Look after the health and well-being of everybody. Work as a collaborative team. Make some good decisions. But read people's emotional and social mm-hmm. intelligence. Bounce back from setbacks, disappointments, being mistreated, not things not oh, working absolutely. out. absolutely. Be aware of how your brand is impacted. And leave a legacy. So people, people leave the aeroplane having had a really good experience and speak well uh, of, mm. of Emirates. Mm. And, and look, our crew, you know... Um, Recruitment, uh, give me the, the, the stats, are rolling stats. And um, last year we had 203,000 people apply to become cabin wow. crew with Emirates. And Another um, 203, how many did you hire? Well, we hire obviously however many we need every year for our operation. That's anywhere between three and 4,000 at the moment. Wow. Um, which That's is a lot of people applying. It's a lot of people applying. So, you know, they're the top three to 5% of candidates. Yeah. So they're a pretty awesome group of people just to get that. You know, we have people who've applied three, four or five times and finally they're successful. Um, So, you know, I'm not dealing with kind of someone who just kind of walked down the street and walked in the door. I'm I'm dealing with people who, you know, have made a conscious decision to leave home. You know, I mean, let's remember that, you know, not only are you applying for a new job that you may or may not have done before, in a new organisation, but you're actually going to a new country, you know, yeah. you're, you're going to go to work with every day with people that don't come from where you come from, yeah. not only as your colleagues, but obviously, you know, the customer base. So, so what would be some of the lessons that you'd pass on that listeners who, who are uh, perhaps having to travel around the world and meet people from different backgrounds, different cultures, or indeed they've got, I mean, here in London, it's very uh, multiracial, mm. multi-ethnic, different religious backgrounds, people from, it's very cosmopolitan. Absolutely. But but wherever people are who are listening to this, what would be some of your tips and advice on how to bring the best out of people? And- I guess it comes back to, we talked about, you know, very, very early on, you know, one of my top tips, you know, humanity and humility. It is mm. about that humility. And, and it's that shift. I don't know if you remember years and years and years ago, um, you know, the whole 
piece was, you know, great customer service is about, um, uh, you know, treating others as you would like to be treated. Um, well, that doesn't cut it no. because actually I'm not you. No. So how can I, how can, how I would want to be treated in this situation, how that's arrogance again, mm. that I'm assuming that you would want to be treated yeah. exactly the same as no. I. And that's where the shift now is. And, and that's the training that, that we do with our teams and is to, is to get them to um, take that, that little moment of humility and, and just and remember that the only way I'm going to be able to be considerate to you, to be personal to you, to be able to deliver something that's going to work for you is to find out who you are, is yeah. to ask questions, is to check that out before I go with my expertise and my arrogance and give you the solution to yeah. your problem. Yeah. So it's that nanosecond of it's not about jumping. And as leaders, again, your people, we're, we're always quick, well, I'm the leader, therefore I'm going to help you by giving you oh. the solution. Well, and all of some us of leaders know. say, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely. And, all, and, you know, no one in life ever has ever said, you know, please micromanage me. That's my favourite thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, please tell me what to do and I'll just turn up every day. I mean, that's not how we operate as humans, yeah. you know. So it, it is that piece around... And so my tip is in life in general, but certainly, you know, as with your own teams, but with, you know, and certainly if you're in customer service is, you know, it's yeah. about listening. Two ears. But it's Two about eyes, not just, yeah, but not just listening. It's about have you got the right intent? Yeah. Do I truly, truly want to find out? Because yeah. often people do. Go I've done my active listening course. I've done all of this. I hear what you say. Yeah. I hate that word. I hear what you Absolutely. say. That, that means I actually, you've spoken, but I'm not at all interested in what you're saying. That's right. Because yeah. I'm, I'm just pausing to reload. Yeah, and pausing to wait for you to yeah, shut up, for me to tell you yeah. the next thing that I was going to tell you anyway. So. Yeah, oh, no. I think the, the, the skill of listening and not assaulting somebody else's thinking by talking over them mm -hmm. is hard. Absolutely. And talking over them doesn't need many, and this is, this is where it's fascinating. Talking over someone doesn't necessarily come out of your mouth. You can be talking over them in your own head and that's when you're not listening. Very true. Yes. So gosh. it's about what's the right question I need. Guilty, Your Honour. Guilty. Oh, what's gosh. the question I need to ask here, not what's the statement do I need to make? Yes. And, and I think it's that subtlety uh, that, helps mm. in multicultural environments because and and also I can't tell you know how can I tell I mean we we have graduation every week we graduate because of course we train from 5 30 in the morning till 11 30 at night two shifts a day I have 60 new crew joining every week so I have a graduation every week um, when they finish their six months of their uh, training and probationary period before they formally graduated um, and, you know, they line up, they come up on stage and we have, you know, their flag of where they come from and celebrate them and they get their certificate. Um, and it's fascinating coming from Australia, as I do, particularly Melbourne. I love it because you can't ever assume. So, you know, there might be five crew who are graduating who come from Melbourne and they all look totally different from one another because of whatever their original heritage and mm. ethnicity is, bears no resemblance because who is an Australian anyway? Well, we know it's the Aboriginals and the rest of us are all just, you know, 
freeloaders, <laughs> as we all are. But it's um, for me, it's that piece, and it's the same in London, you know, and it's the same when our crew come and join us. You know, what it says on their passport doesn't doesn't mean anything to who they are as a person, you know, and, and, you know, you, we have, you know, crew from all over the world and they open their mouth and it's a Scottish accent. You go, oh my God, I wasn't expecting that. That's random. <laughs> and I could see even when we had a conversation, you were interested with someone, whether from New Zealand or South Africa. And, and I think it's so interesting, this, what's someone's backstory? What's the, what's a great question that you could ask someone where you get to bit to understand a bit about them, you know, um, like um, a lovely question is like, wh where are you from? Now, mm. where are you from could be have many answers, but well, it's a great opener. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I had this conversation um, just recently. My my stepson, my son, who lives here in uh, in London, um, and our daughter lives in uh, New York. Now, um, I'm their stepmother. Uh, their mother is originally German. She lives in Italy now. And uh, my husband is Australian but hasn't lived in Australia for 40 years. Mm. So when, you know, we joke because we say because Tom and Maya, have, you know, they've got an Australian passport and a European passport, but they've never lived in either of those countries. Wow. So Peter, you know, worked for a large organisation based in uh, Hong Kong. So uh, most of their life was, was in Hong Kong. He was then in America for a while and, and whatever. So even you can't even ask where are you from? Because, yes, well, that's right. what Tom said. Well, oh, so uh, when he's on his Australian passport, he's from Australia. When he's on his European passport, he's from Europe. So, but where is he from? But he, he did all the, they did all their schooling and their university here in the UK. All of their friends in yes, the UK. If you listen gosh. to them speak, they, they went to school in Scotland. So they've got slight little lilt. So I don't know. Where are they from? Uh, and this is where just um, Graham, my brother, who's a plastic surgeon and, and it really has changed the lives of so many people who've had um, terrible cancer experiences and, and had to have skin grafts and mm. things like that that he does. But he finds when he's having an initial consultation with people, people are paralysed with fear. And to try and break the ice... He'll also say, hi, I'm, I'm Graham Perks, and, uh, you know, um, I've got four children. Um, describes who they are and what they're doing in their lives. And he said, and, and my particular passion is um, windsurfing. He said, and can you believe it, last week I, I was on a lake and there was only one boy on the whole lake floating in the middle. I managed to sail into it and, and uh, break one of the bones in my leg. Uh, <laughs> so, he, you know, he, but that's just a particular story at that time. But the point he says, so that's a bit about me. So what about you? You know, is there, is there anybody significant in your life, which is a nice opener, which gives mm. you all avenues from your uh, puppy to your cat to whatever it might be or someone else? It doesn't um, extinguish people or exclude mm. people and then he said and, and what are you particularly excited about or passionate about you know in, mm. in your life and or how do you spend your time and those are sort of great Absolutely. questions for an open yeah. Yeah. conversation and, you know I think you know one of your the early questions you had you know tell me who you are you know it's then and what about you and what excites you what what gets you up in the morning what you know it's those sorts of things mm. that you start to understand the person yeah. um, who just happens to have this passport, live in this country and, and do this in this particular moment. Mm. But you clearly, enjoy, you clearly enjoy people, don't you? I oh, mean, I you, love You it. love meeting yeah, people, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, every, you know, 
every person you meet, you know, has there's the potential to have to to grab something mm. fabulous from that person, you know, yeah. and and you know, as I say to the crew, you know. 500 people on board an aircraft, you know. Um, if you get off there and you haven't learned something new, whether it's learning to say a, a word or, or do something, then shame on you. Mm. Wow, what an absolute feast yeah. of an experience and, and you, you even, haven't grabbed something from it. Exactly. And, and even if it's a bad experience and they're shouting and ranting and raving, yeah. You learn how not to behave. Well, yeah. Well, that's kind of like <laughs> brilliant. That's my resilience bank. Yes, Proud of myself. Get to walk away and go. You know what? I think I did really well there. Well, let's talk about those two: resilience and uh, on the compass, uh, resilience quotient and the health quotient, health and well-being. Uh, what what have you learned over the years about health and well-being? Because as uh, you were an air crew yourself, uh, cabin crew and traveled the world it, it's quite exhausting quite tiring mm. you're through different time zones body clocks your own body mechanisms being thrown around a bit how do you look after yourself and care for yourself and and resilience is great but you could push yourself so hard and so long without having a holiday or recovering or getting sufficient mm. sleep what's what's been your learnings and what would you pass on to the listeners who are here in the podcast look i guess you know at the end of the day it's like you know it's about you know we talk about being kindness and humanity to others. You have to give all those that stuff back to yourself as well. Mm-hmm. You know, how are you being kind to yourself, uh, and making sure that um, you know you do take care of yourself. And you know, I'm certainly not a guru. Um, I get it wrong a lot of the time, um, but it's being more mindful about. It. I think today in this day and age, we probably know more um, than we've done before. We were talking earlier. You know, we know there's people who are experts on sleep and and all mm-hmm. those sorts of things there's lots of stuff being written about you know uh how we need to to manage our 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 health and and the importance of our gut and all those sorts of things what we eat um so i think um it is about just making sure that and 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 what i've discovered is you know your body's pretty smart it'll tell you Mm. what we tend to do is allow the prefrontal cortex because that's allegedly the smart part um to disregard what the body is telling you. Yeah. So if your body is telling you something, then best you listen. Yeah, you take a moment and you listen. And I, you know, and I think if you, you talk about your brother, who's a who's a surgeon, who's a doctor, um, you know, don't, we won't go into great detail, but you know, I I did have ovarian cancer, so I learned a lot through through that. Um, and you know, I it, I caught it really really early because for once I did actually listen mm. to my body. Mm. Thank God I did. I wasn't going to because yeah. I was busy. Yeah. You know. You know. Busy, 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 busy. Big dead. leadership yeah. job. You know, busy, busy, busy. Um, don't have time for all that. Far too busy doing all these important things. Yeah. Uh, but I did listen. Thank God. Um, and we caught it very early, which Good. I was incredibly lucky as it is a silent killer, particularly. And for women, it's um, perhaps the, the deadliest uh, of all cancers simply because it goes unreported, unnoticed mm-hmm. for such a long time. Um, so I think it's that piece around just being kind to yourself. And, you know, you're only going to be successful as a leader, um, as, a, as a human being, if you stop. You know, reflection time, you know, there's all, all, all the work that people are saying these days, you know, it's, it's about carving that out. You know, I carve out in my diary now, you know, I give myself 
um, a half an hour somewhere in, in the day. You know, I will know when I'm getting overwhelmed with stuff, either yeah. because, you know, there's ridiculous things going on or, or um politics or whatever so how do I step myself away and remove myself from that in that nanosecond um uh so that I'm you know and and breathing and there's such a lot of great stuff around breath and 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 all those mindfulness and yoga yeah yeah, all of that you know I don't practice I'm not a guru in any of that as I said I don't you know but um qigong is my oh yeah yeah um my my choice, I guess. I really love it. So I do that every morning. Yeah. Um, just as a little, um, only takes five minutes. That's great. Um, and then, you know, and then it can be as simple as, you know, sometimes if, you know, I've walked from one meeting to another and one meeting was particularly challenging, you know, I'll just go and sit in the toilet mm. and go take five deep breaths and yeah. get my center back before Fantastic. I go into the next one. Fantastic. And just as we come to the end, what would, and thank you, this has been fascinating. We could chat the rest of the day. <laughs> so much that you've got to share. What would be the, the, the sort of last takeaway top tip you'd give to a leader who's listening to this podcast from, from your experience? Um, apart from the two I've already talked about, mm. you know, um, you know, humility and, and uh, humanity. Uh, humanity, which are driven by being authentic and, and true to who you are and all those things. The other thing for me is, and, and what I, the people who I um, am still in contact with and who I admire and I still go to for mentoring and coaching, etc. what is it about them? It's, it's this generosity. So they're generous of not only their time, mm. their expertise, their networks. Um, fabulous woman who is the um, executive dean up at Edinburgh Business School, Heather McGregor. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, people may know her. She was Mrs. Moneypenny of the All FT right. for yeah. many, many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's been an incredible um, uh, supporter. She's she's uh, uh, one of the founders of the Thirty Percent Club for yes, Women. Yes, um, amazing. She is absolutely astonishing in her generosity. She networks people together. She um, provides her expertise. She shares everything. Mm. Um, you know, one of my mentors who was one of my CEOs, um, Sir Rod Eddington, same. 20 yeah. years ago I worked with him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can still ring him up and he'll say, come and have a cup of coffee. Wow. So it's That's that real special. generosity, I think, is, is, is the hallmark of good great leader. leadership. Good inspiring. Yeah. Catherine, it's been an absolute joy being with you. Thank you so much. Great pleasure. And And I've really enjoyed that. I've equally enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.